0: Let us start with a prayer. God, you are our great God. You're great in your love. You're great in your power. You're great in your wisdom. And we acknowledge you to be the Lord of all and the Lord of our lives and our hearts and our minds. And you have a word to teach us today. We pray that we would be humble, recipients of the word that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, There has been an ultimate uh, quest throughout human history, across all cultures, and that quest has been uh, for the answer to, um, to this question and then one that follows. The question is this, what is the good life? the question that follows, and how do you get it? Um, I hope you have thought about that, what is the good life. If you haven't considered what that is, uh, you haven't thought deeply enough. That is, um, it is one of the most paramount questions for the human heart to consider. A few days ago, I was at the, the stoplight at, Right here, Pine Lock and uh, Highway 3. And as I was parked there, up drove a, a red pickup truck on the, the windshield, the back windshield of the truck was written in, in bold letters of what looked like hastily applied white paint. And it said this, I need autonomy more than I need God. Just kind of that declaration. You can just see this person saying, I'm I'm fed up with this. Here's my declaration. I need autonomy more than I need God. What was, for that person, what was the good life? The good life was, I'm in control. I'm in control. I don't need anyone to tell me, especially God, what to do. The good life for that person was being in control and calling the shots. Is that the good life? Good thing to think about. We all search for the good life and make some statement ultimately with our living about what we think is the good life and how do you get it? Well, Jesus knows exactly where to find the good life. And he teaches about it well throughout the scriptures, but uh, there's one place in particular that we're going to look At over the next couple of Sundays, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's what often is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read the beginning of the sermon today. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. And he sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. Jesus teaches the crowds because he knows a world shaping, life changing reality. And what I want to look at today is what is this reality? What's the reality that Jesus offers to us? What is the way to it? And then what is the way from it? What is the reality? The way to it and the way from it. So, what Jesus offers, and just one chapter earlier in Matthew, um, one of the very first statements that Jesus makes to the crowds is this one. He said, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, let's talk about the kingdom of heaven. When uh, a person thinks about heaven, it's not uncommon to first think of some distance, some far-off place, otherworldly place, the place where God lives. Way off there. So, what do you think of when you think of heaven? Well, for the ancient Jewish audience, um, one, when they thought of heaven, they often thought of it in the plural form the heavens. The heavens, for them, actually, was not some far off place, but it was everything around them. It was the air that was all around them, the atmosphere, the skies, space. Everything that was not the earth and the ground that they walked upon was the heavens to them, the atmosphere. When they, when they, uh, when they thought about God dwelling in the heavens, they didn't think, oh, God is, God is far off because the heavens were all around them. God uh, was right there with them all throughout the sky and the air, they believed. And so you had these Old Testament stories of God appearing very close to people, walking with them, talking to them. They heard God's voice. They believed that God was incredibly close. And so when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, one of the things that he meant was this kingdom is all around us, far off, light years away. God is all around us, Jesus was teaching. Now I want us to get a little more concrete idea of what uh, the kingdom of God actually is. What is a kingdom? Well, a kingdom is where uh, the king, uh, where the king's will ultimately gets done, isn't it? If the king's will isn't ultimately getting done, in in a place, well, that place isn't really part of his kingdom. And uh, what I've what I've learned about. Um, throughout my adult life, is is I have a kingdom, um, and that kingdom is is very very small. It's a very small kingdom. Um, I wish I could grow it sometimes, but it stays small. Do you remember uh, when cars started coming out with a dual temperature control? That was revolutionary in in my life with Melissa. It was revolutionary because up until then, um, you know, the the climate in the car was her kingdom and she liked her kingdom very cold and she froze me out. But there came a day when I got to claim a little bit of my own kingdom. When we got those dual controls, but it's a small kingdom. And when I go home, do I do I find... Uh, sweet stuff like little debbies in my pantry. No, I don't, because it's not my kingdom. It's Melissa's kingdom, and it's a good thing because she's much smarter than I am. When I think of my life, I think my kingdom is is very very small. It's, it's like half my shelves and you know in the drawers and my dresser, half the closet and the the garage, and that's you know, that's my messy little kingdom. Um. It's where my will happens. God's kingdom is where his will ultimately happens, where his will is done. It's where his goodness is experienced. And what Jesus did is he brought in that kingdom with him. Jesus said, in my coming, God's kingdom is going to grow, is going to grow, is going to grow with my coming. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes to a synagogue uh, in Nazareth, and he, he teaches. And this is what I want to read a little bit from Luke chapter 4. Jesus uh, reads this, the, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he, is anoint, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is God's will being done. Good news being preached to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind." To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is reading this, and then he tells the people, this scripture, it's from Isaiah, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What was he saying? I'm bringing in God's kingdom. And he went around, freeing people from their diseases. World Leprosy Day, he went and touched the, touched the lepers to, to make them clean. Um, he freed them from their blindness and paralysis and demon possession and loneliness and shame through Jesus. God's kingdom keeps growing and growing and growing. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, the verses that we just read, they're, they're known as, they're known as something. What are they known as? They're, they're known as the Beatitudes. Uh, that word comes from what Jesus repeats over and over, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. That's where we get our word beatitude. And so in the beatitudes, Jesus is presenting this stunning offer about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is God's present kingdom that is all around us. That is available to you. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven. It's 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 near, it's come near. The kingdom is available to you. He said, blessed are you, blessed are you. The word for blessed comes from the word happy. Happy, are you because of the blessing that you are receiving. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is available to you. And you can live in the midst of this kingdom of heaven where there is nothing to be afraid of because it's a kingdom where there is provision and physical healing and healing of the heart and soul. Imagine a life free from the weight of worry. That, that's the good life, isn't it? That's what the good life is. The good life is living in the kingdom of heaven, and through Jesus, this kingdom keeps growing and growing. Now let's talk about the way to it. Uh, Now the question at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is who is that good news for? So I want you to think about the crowds that were gathering around Jesus. These crowds, they were not made up of the summa cum laude of their generation. They weren't on Forbes' list of the top 100 ancient Middle Eastern CEOs. That's not who's gathering around Jesus. They aren't dressed nicely. Matthew 4 verse 24, just a little bit before this, tells about the crowds that were gathering around Jesus. And this is what Matthew reports. News about Jesus spread all over Syria. And people brought to him, here are the crowds, all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. So we get a little image about the crowds that were gathering around Jesus that he was speaking to. This is a ragtag crowd. Jesus looks at them and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So who gets blessed? This is just real key. This is real key because in our world, when it comes to good news, there are often some conditions to that good news. You have to do Things to receive that good news. You have to study hard or you have to be naturally smart to receive the good news of a college acceptance letter. You have to have managed your money well and have good credit to receive that good news of the loan approval. You have to have good looks and good charm to receive the good news that she's going to go on that date with you. This world is full of good news But it's to the people who have it all together and who already have an advantage over others. This world is full of conditional good news. Good news, you'll make it fine in life if you're one of the gifted, privileged people who have their act all together. That's what this world tells us. Not with Jesus. Because he looks at this crowd, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now let me give you a really important point about the Beatitudes. Now, Many of you have studied the Beatitudes. You can listen to some great sermons on the Beatitudes, lots of great books on the Beatitudes. Um, there is so much that we can learn about the Beatitudes. Let me share with you something that I think is very important about the Beatitudes. It's this. The Beatitudes are not a ladder you have to climb up, in order to get to the kingdom of heaven. okay. Jesus isn't giving, here are the steps, and you got to go up, and it's work. I, I don't think that's what Jesus is doing here. They're not a ladder to cl- that you have to climb up. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And some people like to turn poor in spirit into a virtue and say, you need this, and they call it Humility. Blessed are the, the humble who know that they are sinners. And let me tell you, that's probably true. Blessed are the humble who know that they are sinners. That probably is true, but I don't, I think if Jesus wanted to say that, if he wanted to communicate, blessed are you that know that you're sinners and who are humble, I think he could have used that language. He doesn't. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I think Jesus looks on this crowd and sees people who are beaten up by life. They are beaten up emotionally and spiritually. That's poor in spirit. They are downcast. And the reason that they are downcast very well could be because of their own sin. Not just, not just life beating up on them, but them doing foolish things, sinful things that has made Think of a time when you've been simply downcast in spirit. See, when I, when I reflect on my life, when I think, what are those times and I'm just down in the dumps? And I'm, when I, when I, those are the, not just, not just down in the dumps. That's not the right way of putting it. Um, when I am feeling faithless, when I'm not filled with hope, uh, when I think of those times when I'm downcast, it's usually at the work of my hands and my lack of faith that's leading me to that. I've, maybe I've sought security in the wrong things like accomplishments and achievements. I thought, man, if I can just get my act together, if I, if I can achieve enough, it's finally going to bring me that security that I want. And then I realize I don't have it in me, and I get downcast in my spirit. I'm poor in spirit. Jesus says, you can be poor in spirit. You can have made a mess of your life. And you know what? There's good news for you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven, is what he's saying. Jesus isn't, so he's not just, he's not giving a self-help talk. He's He's not giving a, a climb the ladder speech. Here, y'all just need to be more humble out there. Climb that ladder. He continues, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, if this is a self-improvement, if this is a climb the ladder address, uh, then that means I need to be more serious in life. I need to recognize that life is hard, and I need to get on with a serious business of sadness. Jesus is not giving the ladder-climbing speech. He's looking at this crowd where people have suffered great loss, loss because of the world and loss because of their own sin. And Jesus says, but I've got good news for you because you're going to be comforted. Next verse, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Okay, what's the climb the ladder speech say? That means, if it's a climb the ladder speech, you need to be meek. You need to tone down your personalities. You need to be more unconfrontational. You need to control yourself. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is actually quoting Psalm 37, verses 10 and 11. Let's say this, A little while, and the wicked will be no more, though you will look for them. They will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So the psalm is talking about this conflict between the wicked, who are the powerful, the plotting, the exploiters, and those without power, who are just suffering from the abuse. And that psalm is telling them, be patient, because God will one day it's going to reverse things and going to come through for you. Jesus was saying the same thing here. In God's kingdom... God will come through for you. Continuing with the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. These are the people who are hungering for what is right to happen, right in their own life, and right to be done in a world that is full of injustices. So Jesus is looking at this crowd in front of him, those who have largely been beaten down by life. They're the ones who, who mourn because of disease and loss, and they are living among Romans and religious leaders who are much more powerful than they. And so they're getting kicked around, and they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness for what is right to happen to them. And Jesus is just laying out these blessings, saying, I know it's a broken world. Guess what? He says... I think. He's meaning. Guess what? One of the reasons it's broken is because you're broken and you've contributed to this broken world. But I've got good news. I'm bringing in God's kingdom, and you don't need to climb up a ladder to get to it. Instead, send down roots. The Beatitudes. You Don't climb up the Beatitudes they are roots down into the kingdom of heaven. You can send roots down into the kingdom of heaven so that you can receive the true life that it will give you. You can repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Is near. You can turn to God and God's kingdom is yours, Jesus is saying. So when you are thirsty, send down roots. True repentance. True repentance. Is an act of desperation, seeking water from the only source that can provide. Are you looking for life, the good life? Are you looking for the good life in a source that won't provide? Not really. Are you looking for good, the good life in, in good health, in a good career, in, in a good stock market, good looks? It's not where you find the good life. Jesus offers good news to the desperate. Blessed are you who are struggling financially. Blessed are you who are unemployed. Blessed are you who are chronically ill. Blessed are you the, just the socially awkward. Blessed are you who don't have a single athletic bone in your body. Blessed are you because God has come to you. His kingdom is here, and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to prove anything to live in God's kingdom he is a God that blesses, not because of anything that you have done, but because of who He is. That's the way to it. You send down roots, you repent, you turn to the only source that can provide true life. And now the way from it. So Jesus continues to look out in this crowd and he, He's declaring blessings. He's kind of like on a roll. And he keeps going, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, now why, why does he say those things? I, I think Jesus is pointing to something really important. Living in the kingdom of heaven is grace from the very beginning to the very end. There is growth that happens in the kingdom of heaven as you live in it longer you grow. There's grace along the journey, not just getting into the kingdom of heaven. See, when you really know that you have received the kingdom of heaven through grace, it changes you. And we're going to talk a lot more about this next week, but real Christianity is about having your heart changed by God's grace. So let's look at verses 7, 8, and 9, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So he assures those who are committed to showing compassionate love, the merciful. You will receive compassionate love as well. Why? Not as a reward, not because you've earned it, but because it is a core attribute of living in the kingdom of heaven, receiving mercy. Compassionate love. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, Jesus says. Jesus is talking about devotion of, of one's heart towards God and having a pure devotion towards God. In other words, not, not, uh, not going after all these different loves, but loving God above all else. A heart that isn't torn between these different loves. He says, you will see God. God won't disappoint you. Blessed are the peacemakers, verse 9, for they will be called children of God. Now, why peacemakers? Real peace is not the absence of conflict. That's not real peace. Real peace is strength and security and provision and, and protection. The sense that you don't have to be afraid. That this real peace is captured in this, this Hebrew, this ancient Hebrew word shalom. It's that real peace. That penetrates you. That real peace is the hallmark of the kingdom of heaven. At one time Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a a tiny seed and it grows up to be this tree and the branches of the tree become a haven for birds and their nests. See, that's peace. The kingdom of heaven making a haven for you where you're protected, where you're shaded, where you have everything that you need. And when you build that peace, when you're a peacemaker, you will be called children of God. Not as some reward, not because you've earned it, but because that is who you are, you're a child of God, and you are being like your elder brother Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 says that, that Christ came, and what did he do? He preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to you who are near, Peace coming to everyone through Jesus. That's peace to all. And that's the message of the Sermon on the Mount. You don't have to do things to earn the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has brought it down here to you. You can have that peace. So a final statement on the Beatitudes. or Two final statements. The Beatitudes are not attributes that earn us a reward. Mercy from God is not the reward because you have shown mercy. Mercy from God is what you receive simply by living in the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. It's his will to show mercy. You don't earn a glimpse of God by having pure love for God. Instead, God gives that glimpse of him freely to you because it's his kingdom. So the Beatitudes are not attributes that earn us a reward. Rather, the Beatitudes are fruits that grow from our roots. Listen, being a merciful person, being a peacemaker, having this, this pure devotion to God, that's what grows in you as you live in the kingdom of God. When you are desperate before God and send down roots into his kingdom, You will grow in your compassionate love and your devotion for God, will grow in purity, and more and more you will be a peacemaker in your relationships. That fruit will grow from those roots that you've grown down in your desperation for life. And then, and then, and then, an amazing thing happens. The kingdom of heaven that through Jesus grows and grows and grows will also grow and grow and grow Through you. Through you. Do you want that life? Do you want that life? I want that life. Then come to Jesus. See, that's what you do. You know, Jesus can say all of these blessings because he's the way to those blessings. Jesus, all of these beatitudes apply to Jesus. Jesus became poor in spirit. Downcast on the cross when all of our sins and brokenness were placed on him and he suffered for our sake. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He mourned. He mourned over the destructive power of our sin. And Jesus was meek. He was, he was brutalized by those who were in power. And he hungered for righteousness to the point that he died so that he actually could become our righteousness. And he shows mercy. And he is our peace. And he was persecuted for his faith in his heavenly father. Why did he do all of that? So that he could give to you the kingdom of heaven. So come. Let's pray. Lord, when we hear you teach, may we be moved. May we be moved in a way that is unlike how we are moved by any other teaching. May we be moved in our minds, stirred, riveted by your promises. May we be moved in our hearts so that our hearts long to have what you offer to us. May we be moved in our spirit ready to be humble, indeed, and to turn to you, to turn away from placing our security and our hope in all of these things that will not fail, but rather putting our hope firmly in you. We know that you will receive us and love us and bless us. So we come, in Jesus' name, amen.